G'day listeners, it's your host Matt here and I'd like to welcome you all to another episode of the Revel Brewing Show. For those of you tuning in for the very first time, we're coming to you from Balimba in Brisbane, Australia and we discuss all aspects of the culture that encapsulates independent craft beer. This week we're talking about the culture of craft beer. The Oracle of Independent Craft Beer, Matt Kierkegaard, joins myself and Flex and we're touching on how the culture and desires of the consumer have changed over the years. Matt Kierkegaard also gives his two cents on the differences between craft beer and big beer, which is a topic that is always interesting to get different people's perceptions on. If you've been enjoying the show, please feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and we'll give you a shout out on the next episode. And also, don't forget to head over to our Facebook page, which is Revel Brewing Co. Belimba, and our Instagram, which is at Revel Brewing Co., all one word, to give us a like and a follow there as well to keep up to date with everything. Now, without further ado, roll the intro. Bit of Dutch courage. Everyone have a beer. Yeah. After eight beers each. We're well oiled. The way that you've seen the culture change or the, the way that these guys have changed it, how have you sort of want to put it? How, like how have you seen the, the whole craft beer culture change um, since you sort of started getting involved with it? Um. Oh, look, it, it, it's changed dramatically and you, you could do a PhD thesis just on, on that. You come down here and, like, I've come down on a Saturday afternoon and you see families here. You don't see people, you know, you don't see the kids with, um, well, locked away in the hermetically sealed gaming lounge um, <laughs> playing um, computer games. The family room, um, while mum and dad are off playing pokies or whatever, when you're sitting out here, they're playing cornhole or they're engaging. Mum and dad will either walk down with the kids and the families and you'll see people talking together, commuting. And it, it really is the, you know, what was the old um, parish pump or the, you know, commuting meeting place or what once upon a time was the local. Um, and people are drinking responsibly. I can imagine that you guys probably since you have opened haven't had a single police issue or anything like that because no. when you've got a small engaged community around your drinking place, mm. you drink completely differently, you behave differently because you've got a sense of ownership. And that's what places, you know, and it's, it, it's not isolated to Revel, it's just about every um, small craft brewery that's got a sense of community about it does that um, and, it, and it's something in a way that big generic pubs that need to be big and so crowd people in and to get people in you don't actually have a sense of community because you just want a generic offering um, and you want cheap beer, cheap food and punt them through um, and that that's one of the biggest changes I've seen. But when you come to these types of places they've always got varieties, it's always different, it's always a talking point, it's, it's, it's something that's engaging. But it's never about the drinking. It, it, it's about the beer. But yes, yeah. But not about the drinking. No. And you're not just getting people in and, and keeping them long enough mm. to lose money on the pokies mm. or just crowding people yeah. in on party night. It's you, you see people communicating and you sort of see people, um, you know, relating to each other. Yeah. Um, was something that I talked about on our podcast recently. I did an interview. There's an English uh, anthropologist. Um, he's a professor of anthropology, and he was looking at. He did a. There was a study that showed that people that have a regular pub are happier, more trusting, healthier um, than people that don't. Um, and and on, on one hand, you sort of laugh and go, "Oh yeah, of course he would say that." 
but there's a there's a really interesting <coughs> evolutionary reason why that um, comes in because mm. you know when we have a beer, um, it releases endorphins and serotonin and all these positive things in us. Um, and you know, if you have fifteen, not the same effect. <laughs> yeah, but. We're almost hardwired to, to have a beer because it, it, it lowers our inhibitions a little bit. We share more with our – sometimes we overshare with our friends yeah. and, you know, end up with a couple of arm around your nothing, mate going <laughs> up. Yeah. Nothing, nothing good happens after 10. What, yeah. not, nothing good happens after midnight. Yeah, yeah, you, know, <laughs> you get that sense of well-being that encourages you to share. Yeah. And, you know, so – the thing I found most interesting about that was that we were more trusting – um, people who had a local that, you know, wasn't just a local pub where you would go to drink but a local that tended to be a smaller venue and you had a regular group of friends, they were more social, they were more trusting and that was the, the, the key thing for me because if you've got a couple of friends you have a drink with, just that one beer, you sort of feel good and you do share a little bit more mm. than if you're just sort of at work and, and things like that. And, that, and that's an incredibly positive thing. And mm. I think with all of the alcohol debate that we're seeing at the moment, yes, alcohol can have some negativity, um, but you need to balance it up with the positives mm. that, that it also has. Um, yeah. and, and, and that's where like a, a small local venue yeah. you know, really has such an overwhelming sense of good. Mm. Yeah. And that's, we've, always, we've always kind of put that against quant, like quality over quantity kind of thing, mm-hmm. that mentality. So people come in and just enjoy it and have a chat and learn, experience. It's a whole entire education side of things. So Matt, uh, heard a little bit about yourself, how you sort of come to know the guys here from Revel, um, but I want to know a bit more about actually why you do what you do. Look, I am... Um I started my career when I was uh, sort of in my late teens uh, studying law and I was working uh, in, in the law and working with a lot of barristers. They would very eloquently tell a story about wine and I loved hearing the stories and sort of understanding, you know, the, 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 the terroir and a, a glass of wine is a postcard from a region and a place and a people and a culture and I, I used to love that. There was something about wine that I just couldn't, drink like it just really suffered so um i I felt that i was missing out but then um in in the i'm old enough to remember the late 80s um and drink legally then and uh, you had a brewery called matilda bay that had a beer called um redback which is a wheat beer um and it was different from all of the lagers that were going around and it was from a little brewery in western australia and so i had this interest that had formed from people telling me about wine but I realised you could apply it to this beer because it was from a small little brew pub in Fremantle that had grown. It was made with wheat. It was made the German style. And so I started looking into, uh, you know, beer because I loved beer. I could drink beer. And there were these amazing stories. But I looked around and no one was really telling the stories about beer. So I I ended up, uh, you know, by the late 90s being a a journalist. And I could – no one was really telling. There was one or two – Willie Simpson, um, you know, you have to pay homage to. um, But apart from that, there weren't too many people. And I could see, you know, the the more brewers I met, the more um, I saw that it was evolving. I knew there were these incredible stories no one was telling. And so – um, at around the same time, um, you know, you, you start the, the way we ate started to, you know, we started looking at local and some of those things. And there are this confluence of all of these things that I saw about beer. Um, 
and it, it just made it all the more. It wasn't just about a drink. It just wasn't about a story. It was about a social movement that I quite believed in. Um, and, you know, like I'm not a flag-waving environmentalist or anything like that, but I just think that each of us can do a little bit better every day in the way that we look after the earth. And it's just small little decisions um, and the way we educate ourselves about what we eat and drink and buy and beer captures all of that. Um, so, and no one was telling the story, so I just became very passionate about telling those stories as a microcosm of a much bigger movement. Beer is, um, it's not just a drink and it's not just community. It's, if you think of every single stage of Australian history, the beer industry mirrors it and everything since then, you know, whether it's booms and busts, you know, Cooper, Cooper's had been around for a while. Um, they, their fortunes came and went with the um, ec- ec- economics. Um, as we became very um, prosperous after the, the Second World War, our beer taste changed. We wanted these clean, modern lagers and then we became tired of those and craft beer spins out from our almost rebellion from these mass-produced large lagers that are all tasting the same and all very clear. But there are much wider social movements that shape why we drank those. It's not just the big brewers shoving them down our throats. It's what we actually wanted. Mm. Um, And we're now starting to see a bit of a... Um, rebellion from that and and that that's what fascinates me about beer it tells the story of us so matt uh look one of the topics that that comes up from time to time and um yeah even myself just being involved with with craft beer too is is that conversation about what the difference is between the macro or the big beers and the independent craft beer um what's your take on on that whole topic and how how they sort of differ from one another yeah, look, it, it's, it's changed as I've been writing because initially it was like man the barricades and sort of storm the Citadel for, for what was then called craft beer. And, uh, you know, I, most of my purchasing dollars go to independent um, craft brewers um, because the big guys early on, they just weren't interested. You know, they, they were used to selling big brands in big volumes. They didn't want to play in the margins um, and because of their approach, beer, consum- beer had no interest value. It was all about what um, cricketer or, you know, what big ad campaign would move units. It wasn't about growing the category. And it got down to two penguins fighting over a shrinking iceberg. And, you know, it, it, if, if they'd done better with craft beer, I mean, they had Cascade, they had Matilda Bay, this is in Before Little Creatures. If they'd done better with craft beer we wouldn't have a independent beer movement because they would have satisfied that need. But there was this pent-up need that because they were big, they wanted big markets they didn't respond to. And they, they make great beer. They're great, passionate people. They love what they do. And so I've got no problems with that. But if we want a dynamic, interesting, engaging um, brewing industry, we need small independent brewers. You know, we need the revels sitting on Oxford Street because we've seen time and time again the big brewers want to grow markets um, and they'll close down the small breweries and as soon as it fits in one of the big brewery, breweries, they'll do that. And that's fine, that's business, that's a cycle. Absolutely no bias against that. But I do have a bias for 
great, interesting beer. And that's where the small local guys are doing it. And so, you know, I'm a big believer in every time you open your wallet or you swipe your card these days, you're voting about what you want the future of any industry to look like and what you will put up with and what you will accept. Um, And I, I... prefer to vote for a vibrant, dynamic local brewing industry. Um, quite often the beer is sometimes not as good, but it, it, it's good enough and it means that we are going to constantly see this renewal and this evolution of, uh, of beer, which is very exciting. Absolutely. And what about your favourite Revel beer? Do you, it, I know it's hard. There's always so many and they're always... <laughs> every I'm probably, every I'm probably the worst critic because <laughs> how's this one? Yeah, it's amazing. Okay. But I think they're all great. So. Well, but see, I'm, I'm going to give you my, my, my uh, well-rehearsed bullshit line whenever I'm asked that question because I'm asked that question a lot. My favourite Revel beer is my next one. Um, because And it, my, my favourite beer is always my next one. And, you know... Like, Revel have a really nice range of, um, of beers... But as Matt said, he's doing two or three new ones a month. Um, and whilst I, like, I, I love coming back to the Pale Ale, I love coming back to the lager, um, which the, a good lager is my test of any brewer's medal um, because if they can do that, they can do just about anything. But it, 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 it's seeing what the interest is. And, it, and if I had a favourite beer that I didn't want a brewery to move from 15 years ago, we wouldn't have Gozers. We wouldn't have Berliner Weisses coming out. So, um, yeah, look, I, I want the Maddie Cuthberts of the world to keep innovating, keep trying. I don't want my favourite, like my, my, my regulars to go back, but I don't really play favourites in that sense. Yeah, and, and while, you know, like if we've got... 50 breweries in Brisbane making pale ales. You're not going to have 50 bottle shops stocking them, but I can guarantee that the people walking through this the, the door of Revel are going to want their pale ale. Yeah. Um, and so you need to have it. And hopefully they'll they'll you know we're not going to see such a change that people move away from those. And you know there is a lot of pressure on breweries to constantly evolve. But hopefully the classics because the the classics are classics for a reason. Um, it breaks my heart the number of breweries that launch a pilsner, it sells well and then. Almost inevitably, they they close. So I was very excited to see, um, you know, uh, breweries launching a pilsner, um, even if it's just a, a one-off. But you know, just long may awesome, exciting, passionate brewing beer um, and breweries continue because it's it, 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 it's what we love, and it is completely changing the industry. And uh, you know, it it, it, it it's just great for the industry. It's great for communities, and it, you know, it's, it's it's good for the beer drinker. And hopefully it's good for the people that sort of put their hard-earned into, into making the beer. G'day listeners, it's your host Matt here again and I just want to say a quick thank you for listening to this episode. We'd love to hear your feedback, so please feel free to reach out to us on our Facebook page at Revel Brewing Co. Balimba or send us a DM on Instagram. Our handle is at Revel Brewing Co., all one word. Again, if you like what you're hearing, remember to subscribe on your podcast player to stay in the loop. If you're from the local Brisbane area, we'd love to see you in the brewery sometime in Oxford Street, Balimba. Until next time, remember, good people drink good beer.